Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of Luke. The Gospel Record of Luke, chapter number 22. The Gospel Record of Luke, chapter 22. Good. <coughs> the Gospel Record of Luke, chapter number 22. We are starting a brand new series dealing with 1 Peter. And as we deal with 1 Peter, before we dive into it, it is always proper to give an understanding about the author and the context of what's going on. And so thus we turn to the book of the Gospel Record of Luke, chapter 22. The Gospel Record of Luke, chapter number 22. And um, <coughs> if you give me a second, um, Zeb, there's a couple Sunday school booklets. Make sure that everyone has one who needs one. Good. The Gospel Record of Luke, chapter number 22. And let's explore a little bit more about the, the human penman of the book of First Peter. And we find in the book of Luke, chapter 22, and starting at verse number 31. The Gospel Record of Luke, chapter number 22. Notice with me in verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But, wit, but I have prayed for thee <clears throat> that when thou, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. And if you have the habit of marking things in your Bible, mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of Luke chapter number 22. The gospel record of Luke chapter 22. And notice with me at the very end of verse 32 as Jesus is speaking to Peter. Notice that what he had told Peter, strengthen thy brethren. Strengthen thy brethren. Of course, this is as the Lord Jesus Christ is talking to Peter, who has been following after the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is now preparing to go to the cross. He's spending some time with the disciples, and he takes some time to call out Peter specifically and to point out to him that Satan has a desire to sift you. He desires to have you, but guess what? I'm praying for you. And I'm praying that your faith fail not. And when thou art converted, he says, strengthen the brethren. Now, the book of First and Second Peter is the fulfillment of this promise, this prophecy. That the book of First and Second Peter is written for the purpose to strengthen the brethren. And so as we go through the book of First Peter, we're going to see this theme, be strong in faith, be strong in courage, be strong in all of these things. That Peter is is when he's converted, is going to strengthen the believers, strengthen those who follow after Christ. He's going to strengthen the things in the faith. And that is the purpose of 1 Peter. Now, when we see here, we know that there is a great struggle going on. 
And we have that same struggle that goes within the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we know that it is impossible to get saved without the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, just as it's impossible to get saved without the Lord Jesus Christ, it is impossible to live the Christian life without Christ. But this is where the struggle begins with us because we try. We try to live the Christian life outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. We try to live the Christian life in our own strength, in our own power, in our own way. In fact, this key phrase is important. When thou art converted. Now, when he's... (laughs) Technical difficulties. Good. When thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. So notice as it Jesus talks here, it says, when thou art converted. May I remind you as an introduction, there is a difference between being saved and being converted. When you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that you're trusting in Christ and Christ alone to forgive you of your sins. But just because you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior doesn't mean that you've made the decision to follow after Christ. And it does not mean that you've learned to live the Christian life with Christ. And so here, Peter has already made a pronouncement of salvation. That was earlier in the gospel record of Matthew. He says, thou art the Christ. And and, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ acknowledged Peter saying that. This is already past that time. Jesus is getting ready. And so he's saying, you're saved But you haven't decided to follow me completely. You're you're still trusting in your own strength. And just to prove it, uh, Peter said, listen, I'll go with you anywhere, even to death. And Jesus said, no, no, no. Before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times. What that was proving is that Peter is still trusting in his own strength. But as Jesus is dealing with Peter, he's got his disciples there, but he calls Peter out specifically. And he says, when thou art converted, you're going to go through some things. And at the end of it, you're no longer going to be trusting yourself. You're going to realize that yourself can't get the job done. When thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. You understand, when it gets to the place where we are not living the Christian life, and we're not depending on ourselves, then we can help others. And their walk with the Lord. Because only God can do his work. God uses human instrumentality. But we cannot do God's work ourselves. And we try and we fail. And we try and we fail. And we try and we fail. We cannot do God's work ourselves. Only God could do his work. And he chooses to do it through us. Christian instrumentality. And so this is the idea that he's telling. Peter when thou art converted. Then strengthen the brethren. And again, I've already mentioned that the book of First and Second Peter is the fulfillment of this. Now, understand this, that when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. This is the Lord's plan for Peter. To go to this process of being converted. So with this, let's dive in and let's see what is happening and what's going to happen here to That when we're converted, strengthen the brethren. What is it that God is using to strengthening us up? Well, the first thing I want to bring to your attention here 
is that the scriptures make us strong. The scriptures make us strong. <clears throat> if you hold your finger here, let's actually look in the book of 1 Peter. And let's see as Peter, as the human penman through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The book of 2 Peter rather. The book of 2 Peter. And notice this command here. When thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. All right? So Peter is writing, we're going to strengthen the brethren. How are the brethren going to get strong? How are they going to be strengthened? Well, it's answered in the book of 2 Peter, chapter number 1. 2 Peter, chapter number 1, and notice with me in verse 21. Knowing this first. 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 20. Knowing this first. That means this is important. This is critical. This is necessary. This is essential. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures as of any private interpretation. Meaning that the scriptures aren't given uh, and mean something to you and then mean something different to me. But notice as it goes on, 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We see here that God gave Peter the, power, uh, the words to pen that would strengthen the brethren. These words are going to strengthen. We understand just understanding how we got the scriptures. God gave the scriptures. The scriptures didn't come by the will of man. That it wasn't man's power and man's intellect that wrote it. Because God, people cannot do God's work. God does God's work through human instrumentality. We did not get the scriptures because some guy wrote it. We got the scriptures because God moved someone to write them. But God was the author. And it's the scriptures that strengthen us. It's the scriptures we need. In fact, later on in the book of Peter, Peter begins to describe some of the experiences he went through. Think about all the things that Peter went through. Peter was there to see miracle after miracle after miracle. Peter, of course, came to know Jesus Christ as a Savior because of his brother Andrew. That Andrew got saved and went and found his brother, Peter. And showed him, let me tell you about the man who told me everything I did. And brought Jesus to Peter. and Brought Peter to Jesus. Peter came to know the Lord. And what a miraculous thing that was. That Jesus came and told the fishermen, including Peter, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And he left his business, left his family, and followed after the Lord. He went with Jesus to the Mount of Transfiguration. He had that privilege to travel with him. And he watched Jesus be transfigured. The word transfigured carries a picture of inside out. That Jesus, who was God, robed in flesh. When Jesus was transfigured, for a moment he took off his robe. And those three people saw him and went, wow! What an experience that would be. But Peter writes and says, let me tell you, as amazing that was... We have something better. We have the scriptures. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Better than any experience. We have the scriptures. You understand? Why is scriptures better than any experience? Because the scriptures strengthen us up. It gives us what we need. Amen. <laughs> Strengthen the brethren. The scriptures make us strong. Turn back with me to the gospel record of Luke. And again, we're understanding the work that, that the Lord Jesus Christ is doing 
in order to convert Peter. Bring Peter to the place where Peter is not depending upon his own self to do God's work. But that God is doing his own work through Peter. When thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Again, the answer to that fulfillment was the book of First and Second Peter. Because the scriptures strengthen. <laughs> the scriptures make us strong. All right. Then we come to this. The sifting done by Satan makes us strong. The sifting done by Satan makes us strong. All right. Notice with me, if you don't mind, the gospel record of Luke chapter number 22. The gospel record of Luke chapter 22. And verse number 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Now, for those of us older folks, you guys remember the sifter? All right. What we used to do is you used to put some flour inside of the and it would sift and it would get the good stuff from the debris that would be left over and you would sift it out and it would powder it out. Well, this is that same idea, especially in the ancient world, you would have to get the, the, the wheat from the shaft and there would be a process of it and there would be a sifting thing. And here, Jesus is saying what Satan wants to do with you, Peter, is that he wants to sift the good out of you, so only the bad is left over. He wants to sift you so there's nothing good left in you. And now you're going to be useless. He's trying to make you useless. He's trying to go through these things to make you doubt your faith. He's trying to make you go through these things so that way you say, why try? Why bother? But do you know that God has a sifting process? Where Satan wants to sift the good out of us and leave us with the bad... Jesus wants to sift the bad out of us and leave the good. Do you know we all have things that need to be sifted out of our life, trimmed out of our life, cut out of our life. And there is a process of doing that. By the way, that process usually involves troubles. Yeah. It usually involves trials. It involves where we're put to the test and see if we're going to obey the Lord or disobey the Lord. And we're put to the test. There's that sifting process there. When God does the sifting in our life, we come out stronger. Because the weaker elements, the, the flawed elements are sifted out of us. We're purified. The Bible speaks a lot about this. That when I'm tried, I'll be purified and I should be as pure as gold. God does a sifting work in our life. Satan's trying to do something. Imagine this. Peter is going to deny the Lord Jesus Christ in a matter of hours. Now, Peter says, I've got this. There's no, I'll follow you to death. I can do this in my own strength. I've got this. Now, Satan is, his purpose is for Peter to realize I failed. And then he wants Peter to say, well, because I failed, I can't do this. I quit. I quit. I quit. That's exactly what Satan wanted to do. And didn't Peter fail? Absolutely. He denied Jesus three times. Then Jesus locked eyes with him. And it said that Peter went and wept bitterly. 
Do you know that even after this, because he failed so much, even hearing about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he had a hard time believing it, hard time trusting it. And he had to go see Jesus himself uh, just because he felt like he failed. It's all over with. By the way, that still didn't help because even after Jesus rose again, he quit and brought seven other preachers to quit with him. And they went back to their fishing job. He was planning, I'm done with this. Pre it just didn't work out. That's what Satan wanted. He put Peter to a test so horribly bad that Peter says, it's, I can't do it anymore. I, I failed. If I keep doing it, I'm going to fail again. Do I try? Just, I'll go back to my old job. I just, why well, keep trying God? That's what Satan wants. But isn't a wise God, an amazing God, who could use that same trial that Satan is trying to get rid of you? God says, now I'm going to let him do some sifting. But when you come out of this, you're going to be converted. And you're going to strengthen the brethren. Do you know within about 40 days of this incident, 50 days, there's an amazing thing that happened in a day of Pentecost. Where Peter was Filled with the Holy Spirit. Not with Peter. He was filled with God. And God used Peter to preach. And 3,000 people got saved. Why? Because it wasn't Peter doing the work. It wasn't Peter's strength. It was God's strength in him. There's a sifting work that happens to all of us. And by the way, two parties are interested in that sifting product. You're put to a trial and see, am I going to do it? Pass or am I going to fail? And you did it in your own strength. I could do it. Oh, failed. I'm going to serve God, not serve God. I'm not going to serve God. And then, oh man, I messed up. And Satan's going to try to blow up that, that mess up. He's going to try to insinuate it. Listen, you failed so much. How can you even show your face ever again? You imagine Peter, he publicly denied. Imagine what it would be like to go face the rest of the disciples again after publicly denying Jesus. Do you think there was still enough flesh in him that he was worried about what others thought about him? You bet. That was part of the trial here. You understand, sometimes it's not the failures that determine, it's how we respond to the failures. What do you do when you mess up? The answer should be running to God. The Christian life doesn't demand perfection. The Christian life demands repentance and running back to God after we mess up. Amen. By the way, Peter was not perfect after this. When he was converted, it doesn't mean he was perfect. He failed. He messed up several times. So much that Paul had to go yell at him, Peter, what are you doing? What are you thinking? So we know that he's not perfect. But what was the difference? He just learned not to trust in himself but to trust God. And God used him when it wasn't Peter anymore. There's a sifting work that has to be done in your life. It has to remove the, the awful parts from the good parts. You must be sifted. That's why any Christian who has a desire to be used, from the God, used by the Lord has to go through trials. A Christian who says, I don't want trials is a Christian who doesn't want to be used of God. But when thou art converted strengthen the brethren. 
strengthen the brethren. The sifting done by Satan makes us strong. Something else that we see here. Not only do the scriptures make us strong. The sifting done by Satan makes us strong. But we also see this. The Savior's prayers make us strong. Notice verse 32. But I have prayed for thee. That thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Imagine what a relief that was, especially years later. Jesus said, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. What are you praying for me, Jesus? That your faith fail not. Now, was this saying, I'm praying that you don't fail your trial. No, <laughs> I'm praying that after the trial, you don't quit. That after your trial, you learn to trust me more. You have to go through this trial. I already know how it's going to turn out. But I'm praying for you that your faith fails not. That your faith doesn't quit on you. That when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. You know Jesus is praying for you. Do you know that even when you mess up, Jesus is praying for you? What is he praying for you? That your faith fails not. Oh, Every single one of us, I know you well enough to say, every one, single one of you, when you fail, there's a temptation. I can't do this no more. Especially when you mess up big. How can I show my face? How can I follow God anymore? How can I? But I want to remind you, Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for you. And the Savior's prayers make you strong. He's praying for you. Oh, when you know that Jesus is praying for you, how can you do anything but succeed? Oh, isn't that a wonderful Savior that even if we mess up, he still says, come on, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Oh, to keep you strong. You know, that is great encouragement. There's something about human nature that when someone messes up, everyone wants to elbow drop and kick and beat them when they're down. What Jesus does is says, come on, let's get up and let's keep going. Isn't that a wonderful Savior? He restores us. He restoreth my soul. Oh, what a wonderful Savior. What else do we see about this idea of strength in the brethren? We see that the Spirit-filled life makes us strong. The Spirit-filled life makes us strong. I made reference to it earlier, but let's turn there. The, the book of Acts chapter 2. The book of Acts chapter 2. Peter, after Jesus spoke to him, of course, denied Jesus three times. Because he was doing it in his own strength. Then he failed. Upset. Had a hard time believing and trusting in God's word because of his failure. Even after seeing the resurrected Christ, says, I go a fishing and brought other preachers with him to quit the ministry. And they went back to a fishing business. But Jesus brought him back and imagine Peter seeing Jesus on the shore and he took off running, <laughs> swimming, trying to get to Jesus while the rest of them are trying to carry in their load and he just runs to Jesus. Oh, there, there was something different now. You know what? Forget the fishing business. I'm going to follow after you. Jesus said, told the disciples to tarry here in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. Until you have power, wait here. And Peter waited. 
God, what do you want me to do? God, I want you to work. And finally, the day of Pentecost. Notice with me in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. Acts chapter 2 verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And notice as the passage goes on that people heard it in their own language. And then Peter went up and he preached. You understand that in order to be filled with the Spirit, we must be first emptied of ourself. And in order for us to be emptied of ourself, there's a sifting work that needs to be done. We need to realize we can't do it in our own strength. That when we try to do it in our own strength, we fail, we mess up. It doesn't get done. But Jesus is praying for us. For the place where we finally come and say, Lord, it's not me. It's you. You have to do the work. It's not me. You have to get it done. You see, until you're willing to be emptied of yourself, you cannot be filled with the Spirit. All of this is bringing us, when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. You see, it is not the me-filled life that gets the work done. It's the spirit-filled life that gets the work done. By the way, being filled with the spirit is the Lord's command. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Notice as we get a good running start, verse number 17. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now the Bible says, I want you to know my will with the purpose of accomplishing God's will. Verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, where is an excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Here it does a comparison. We all know someone who was filled with wine, filled with alcohol. Alcohol, when someone uh, is filled with alcohol, will behave in ways that they didn't behave normally. The wine is talking. The alcohol is doing this. It, it makes them respond differently than they normally would. Well, the same being filled with the Spirit, that same analogy. Be not be drunk with wine, where is an excess, but instead be filled with the Spirit. How is the Spirit going to work the same way with the wine. It's going to help you respond in ways that you normally wouldn't respond otherwise. And you cannot be filled with the Spirit until you first yield control of yourself. Lord, it is not me. It is you. I yield myself. I surrender myself. I empty myself. And I want you to fill me. And you to do the work that I cannot do myself. Someone says, well, I'm too afraid to talk to other people. You know what the answer is? According to the book of Acts chapter 5, they were filled with the Spirit and they had boldness. When you yourself doesn't have enough boldness to go talk to someone, you die to self, empty yourself, let God fill you, and you could do something that normally you couldn't do on your own. Talk to someone about the Lord. When you say, someone is asking me a serious question and I need wisdom. Well, the Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of the Lord and he'll give it to him liberally. Lord, I don't know what to do. I acknowledge that. Lord, you tell me what to say. And he'll give you answers that you normally couldn't come up with yourself. Being filled with the Spirit 
By the way, being filled with the Spirit is not just for preachers. It's for parents. I don't know what to do with my kids. Lord, I surrender myself. Acknowledge I don't know what to do. You fill me with your Spirit. And God's Spirit will give you wisdom to deal with your kids that you don't have of yourself. I have a family member. I don't know what to do with them. Lord, I surrender. I don't know what to do with my family member, but you do. So the best I know how, I surrender myself of you. And I ask that you fill me with your spirit. And God will give you the wisdom, the power to deal with those people in your life that you wouldn't have of yourself. When thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. The conversion is different than salvation. Conversion comes when we decide to follow after Christ and learn that we can't do it ourselves, it has to be God. God fills us with the Spirit. He gets the work done through His human instrumentality. When thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. And of course, we saw that in Peter's life. If this conversion process was not done, if we didn't see this conversion process... Just reading through the gospel records, would you trust Peter's words? Realistically, if you thought it was Peter writing it, not the Holy Spirit? No, you look at the stupid things that Peter said over and over and over again. How can we trust it? Because we know it's not Peter's words. It's God's words. He's just using Peter as a human instrumentality. When thou were converted, strengthen the brethren. Meaning, Peter, I'm not expecting you to do it. I'm expecting you to be used and let me do it. That's what gets the job done. And so again, as we start this series of the book of 1 Peter, we're going to see the main purpose of it is that this is going to be the answer of the Lord's prayer statement prophecy to Peter. This is meant to strengthen us. The brethren, those who are saved. This is a book written to believers to strengthen them up. Why do they need strengthen up? Well, in the context of 1 Peter, persecution is right around the corner. Now is the time to be strong in the Lord before the persecution hits. Now is the time to develop the habit of following after Christ. Now is the time to learn to stand for the Lord. Because soon it's going to be hard to stand for the Lord. And if you haven't been strengthened yet, it's going to be very hard to be strong in those hard times. When thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you could give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you. 
please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.